Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 235 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. I finally made a start on the winter clean-up work, scraping and scorching wooden boxes in readiness for the new season. Stay tuned to hear how I get it sorted. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www.simonthebeekeeper.co.uk. Hi everyone, welcome back to my beekeeping podcast once more. I'm sat here shivering today. Looks like the weather has finally decided to cool down and here we are with a maximum daytime high predicted to be around 8 or 9 degrees Celsius. That's a chilly 48 degrees Fahrenheit. The week ahead, in fact, the next fortnight looks somewhat chilly and seemingly very unsettled, with rain sweeping over Norfolk at varying times in either light showery conditions or heavy, more persistent downpours. This weather has been messing with my plans for the week. The grain store finally has a little space allocated to us, and I figured we should get over as soon as possible to move some of our kit back inside before it gets too wet. I've been asking the farmer for access for some considerable time now, as you know, explaining I wanted to get everything tucked up and dry before we hit the change in weather. That particular boat has sailed, unfortunately, but I'm now hopeful I can get over and begin shifting at least some of the equipment inside. My attempts earlier in the week failed. I dragged Steph over to begin the sorting and storing task, only to have it rain as we arrived. We sat waiting for a short while before giving up and heading back to get some more videos edited and uploaded for our Patreon page. Those videos were of a microscopy topic and I managed to get some really good results using the centrifuge to settle out pollen in one of my honey samples. Locally produced honey, bursting with goodness and packed full of pollen. Now that's what supermarket customers are missing out on. But let's face it, if you're listening to this, you're probably already convinced of that fact anyway. As I say, the results under the microscope were pretty cool, and it confirms my suspicions on the type of honey I was looking at. Check out my video series in this latest microscopy set to see what the results were. It's pretty amazing, honestly. With the weather being so variable this week, I decided that rather than sitting on my hands or peering through the microscope, I should crack on with some cleaning work. Over the course of a season, equipment piles up as frames are replaced, colonies die out and boxes are removed, supers full of granulated honey get cut out and frames need cleaning prior to fresh wax being put back into those frames. The list just seems to get longer each year. Certainly this year, since increasing the number of colonies we have, I've seen the corresponding number of boxes that need cleaning increase too, unsurprisingly. As an example, 
our spring crop of oilseed rape ended up granulating in the comb and had to be put into the appy melter and melted out. It happens most years for us. There are always some boxes that need this treatment. In this example, it's caused by the high percentage of glucose sugars in the oilseed rape honey and combined with the time of year means if left for any time in the comb to cool down, it almost seems to granulate as you look at it. For anyone new to beekeeping listening in, oilseed rape honey is a spring crop that produces a lovely honey, in my humble opinion, yet it causes a lot of beekeepers an inordinate amount of trouble because of its predisposition to granulate in the comb and thus give the beekeeper an extra job in cutting out and warming to release the honey from the wax comb. This also means the loss of the drawn comb, which might otherwise have been in place for the summer crop of honey. And so our bees have to produce more wax to build comb rather than simply fill existing comb with honey, potentially reducing the amount of honey crop the beekeeper can produce from their bees that season. I don't mind it so much as we're set up with the Appy Melter, a large warming tank that can melt the wax and liquefy the honey quite easily. I also like to replace comb on a regular basis to keep it fresh and free from pathogens. Not such an issue in honey boxes or supers as we call them, but it's still good practice to renew and replace frames every so often. The oilseed rape granulation challenge can be eased by not putting supers on hives too early. But the next question is, when is too early? And of course, the answer varies year on year depending on the weather. Naturally, with beekeeping, the challenges keep coming thick and fast in the spring because waiting around to add supers can also be a catalyst for swarming. So don't leave it too late, will you? If your timing is off or you have other plans for your bees, such as adding a second brood box, you will find any supers added early will most certainly granulate. That's what happened to us this year. I currently have around 50 Langstroth medium honey boxes with frames that need boiling before we can get fresh wax into them and back into the boxes. I'm certainly not complaining as it represents a decent amount of honey currently sat in buckets back at the unit. But it does show how our growing business means additional work. Add to that all of the dead outs, replacement frames, CBPV destructions, of which there weren't too many this year, I have to say. But when all of this is added together, it's quite a bit of kit. So where to start? Well, as I've said on several occasions, we're selling off all of our commercial and national hive stock. So that sits top of the list of equipment I want to clean up first. If you're thinking of buying any second-hand equipment, do make sure it's either already being cleaned or clean it yourself before you let it anywhere near your own stock of bees. Pete has been really helpful in making a start with the clean-up. The first thing to do is to remove the frames from the boxes and cut out any old comb and wax for rendering down. Our steam tank is great for this job and we get a decent amount of reclaimed wax ready for wax exchange at the next trade show more of that in a short while. The frames then get tied into bundles, usually a box full, so that might be around 10 per super or as many as 12 for a full brood box. Our boiling tub is a half barrel, an old oil drum bought off eBay for £5 some time ago, cut in half, it sits on top of a gas burner. 
nothing really sophisticated, just a heavy-duty burner that can be bought from the internet. Where else? Filled with water to cover the frames, I usually add three or four bags of washing soda and a good squeeze of washing-up liquid. The washing-up liquid probably doesn't do much, but I like the bubbles. Makes me think it's working at least. Once the water is boiling, the frames are held beneath the water for a couple of minutes to soak off the wax and propolis, then given a vigorous dunking using a simple stick with a groove in the end, and finally removed and rinsed down with the hose. Turning our attention to the boxes, mostly they're not too bad, particularly the supers. Brood boxes, on the other hand, generally need a little more effort. One of the reasons I suggest a spring clean is to keep the debris from accumulating too badly in the brood boxes. Brace comb and propolis seems to pop up everywhere and anywhere, so if you can swap out boxes in the spring with clean kit, it helps with the beekeeping and the general loading of pathogens in those boxes. Firstly, I like to remove any runners that are fixed in the brood boxes. It's surprising how much wax and propolis gets beneath them. And also, those darned wax moth larvae, they seem to be able to hide in all the nooks and crannies you find in a brood box, but once those runners are off, it's a little bit more tricky for them to keep out of the way, and easier for the beekeeper to clean them out. A sharp, standard hive tool is all that's needed to scrape out the box. That's the one with the flat blade at one end and a curved flat blade at the other. There are, of course, lots of other hive tools out there and a plethora of decorating tools that you could use, but I find keeping it simple works and I'm less likely to cut myself. When you've got the wax and propolis removed, the final step is to scorch the box with a hot flame, as opposed to a cold flame, I guess. Anyway, before I go on, please don't try this with poly boxes. This technique is really only good for wooden boxes, of course. You have been warned. Again, there are a wide range of gas torches that can be found and bought on the internet. If you've only got one or two boxes to deal with, a simple gas canister type torch is perfectly fine and affordable. If you have a lot of boxes to scorch though, then you're likely to want a propane gas bottle with a gas torch attachment. When I was a seasonal bee inspector, I had a brilliant gas torch which had an auto-ignition handle. Squeeze the trigger and it sparked a flame into life, release the trigger handle and the gas would go out. Perfect, but not cheap. A brief swish of the hot flame over the inside of the box is all that's required. Don't go turning the inside of your box into charcoal. It's not necessary. We're only looking to kill off any pathogens of the lesser troublesome kind. If you're dealing with foul brood, that's a job best left to your local bee inspector. And of course, it's a statutory requirement to notify them about it. Have you ever looked at a pile of cleaning and thought, I'll do that tomorrow? Well, that's been me for the last few weeks, with this mountain of kit that needs sorting. I know there's lots of beekeepers out there with more kit to clean than me, but somehow it always seems to be daunting. Well, I can report that it's not that daunting after all. I'm reminded of the Aristotle quote, well begun is half done. Honestly, I only just discovered it was Aristotle who said that. I always thought it was Mary Poppins. Anyway, we threw ourselves into the cleaning and after a really good session, we had all of the supers and brood boxes scraped, scorched 
and ready for replacement frames, and a decent stack of crime boards and a few queen excluders sorted too. What remains of the national and commercial kit is mainly floors, roofs and queen excluders, so I think another session tackling these and we should have most of this batch ready to list. It's taken a while to get started on this job, but we're getting through it nicely now. I don't think I'm a procrastinator, well, not too much, but I do sometimes put off jobs that often as not seem a little too daunting. I guess I am a procrastinator after all. But anyway, if like me, you're sitting on a stack of kit that needs attention, try to set aside a day to get stuck into it and go for it. You'll be surprised at just how much you get sorted once it's in the diary. In those quiet moments while you're getting all of your kit cleaned up and ready for the new season, it makes sense to start thinking about plans for next year. Having a plan ready for the potential early start to the season makes sense because we can check what we've got in terms of equipment and anything that we might be missing can go on the wish list for Christmas presents. And if not, we can always hold on to the list for a late winter and early spring beekeeping show and they seem to come round faster and faster these days. When I first started going to these shows, there were only really two that I would consider attending. And I have to be honest and say, I've never been to the National Honey Show. Exhibiting honey and jumping through all those hoops that are the entry rules just never appealed to me. But that's the beauty of beekeeping. There are so many different aspects to finding enjoyment in it that there's always something you can get stuck into. The Spring Convention was, for me, always the place to go. Lots of lectures and presentations to attend, classroom lectures learning about all aspects of beekeeping. But without doubt, the main attraction, for me at least, was the trade show. Row upon row of beekeeping equipment lined up and ready to snare the unsuspecting beginner beekeeper. You could always spot the experienced beekeepers, though. They had a shopping list a sack barrow, and would make a dash for the likes of Thorn or Maismal to get their much-needed supplies for the coming year. One of the somewhat confusing exercises for me back in the day was swapping my wax at the wax exchange. Here you could take freshly rendered down comb, neatly strained and set in your little ice cream container, and swap it for various sheets of wax foundation ready for the new season. For the uninitiated, it could get quite confusing. You could make a straight swap, rendered wax, for sheets of foundation. Not the best option, but simple enough. You could exchange wax blocks for foundation and pay the conversion fee. That was a slightly better option. Or you could exchange your wax blocks and pay for the conversion and the wiring. This always appeared the best value for money but could come out quite expensive if you had a lot of wax, as I was to find out to my cost on a number of occasions. Just as an example, let's say you have five kilos of rendered beeswax. Now I'm taking these costs from the two suppliers' websites that I've previously mentioned, Thorn and Maismal. So my five kilos of wax is going to cost me £3.87 per kilo at Thorn's and £3.30 at Maismal for conversion. That's either £19.35 or £16.50 respectively, and that's before we get to the wiring costs. Wiring, if you want that, 
is going to vary depending on the size of foundation sheet you want. For instance, at Thorn, it will cost you £1.34 per 10 sheets for BS Deep. That's the stuff that fits the national brood frame. Alternatively, Maysmore will charge you 12p per sheet regardless of size, so £1.20 per 10 sheets. Both Thorn and Maysmore offer 8 sheets of national BS foundation per pound of rendered wax. Stick with me here. Our 5 kilos is equivalent to £11 in old money, so we would get 88 sheets of national brood foundation in total. If I wanted all 5 kilos of wax exchanged for national brood foundation, it would cost me £19.35 plus £11.79 for the wiring. That's a total of £31.14 at Thorn. The same from Maysmore would be £16.50 for the conversion costs plus £10.56 for the wiring, giving a total of £27.06. I really hope I've got that right. It still seems quite confusing to me, but it is well worth the effort when you consider this size foundation is going to cost you around 12 to £14 pounds for 10 sheets if you just buy it on its own with no exchange. Personally, I can't wait to get back to the next trade show, which looks like being a new one at Telford towards the end of February. I'm going to investigate it and see what I can find out, and I'll let you know as soon as I can. Don't forget to check out my website, www.norfolk-honey.co.uk, and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page, www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. <laughs>